0: Howdy, howdy, folks. I am Father Fred Gatchet, and you are tuned into the Double-Edged Sword program here on our fine family of Divine Mercy Catholic radio stations servicing Northwestern Kansas, KMDG 105.7 Hayes, KGOH 89.1 Colby, KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, KJDM 101.7, Lindsborg, Salina, and our flagship station where it all started many years ago, KVDM 88.1 Hayes, And here on the Double-Edged Sword program, we are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And today, I want to talk about fiducia supplicans. And you're saying to yourself, what in the name of heaven is fiducia supplicans? Well, whenever the Vatican puts out a document, The document gets its name from the first couple of words in the Latin version of the of the of the document. They always write it in Latin first, and then they translate into the various languages. And so, fiducia supplicans is Latin for the supplicating trust. Okay, and those are the first few words of the declaration written um, by the, you know, that came out of the Vatican with the Pope's blessing on the pastoral meaning of blessings. And it is from this document that all kinds of brouhaha has issued forth about, oh my gosh, oh, Pope Francis is blessing same-sex marriages. Oh, you know, the dioceses are going to be split. You know, one bishop is going to, is going to... Okay, same sex marriages, another bishop is not, and there's gonna be schism in the church, blah, blah, blah. Okay, first of all, none of that is true. None of that comes out of this document. And what I wanna do is spend, the, you know, take advantage of the fact that we have time on Catholic radio and beg your indulgence. That is your patience. As we're going to go through some of this, I'm not going to read the whole document. It's really not that long. You can get it yourself. Um, again, it's fiducia supplicans. F I D U C I A. The next word, S U P P L I C A N S. If you just go to your favorite search engine and type that in, and then get the official thing. Don't don't get the um, the the news stories. You know, the media has made this worse. Even some of the Catholic media, but. But what we want to look at is go to fiduciasuplicans.va, that means Vatican, and download the actual document. It's about four pages long. It's not that hard to read. You can read it for yourself and see what it really says and not what CNN says it says. Okay, so what we want to do is I just want to kind of go through some of these things and, um, and see what it's saying. You know, one of, the, one of the main things that it's talking about is it's, a, it's an it's an apostolic teaching or a you know, papal teaching on the nature of blessings in general, what blessings are about now later on it will get to the part of well what if you have you know a couple of men or a couple of women who are involved in a same sex you know homosexual marriage that no doubt includes sodomy and whatever other kind of sexual deviancies and so on and they come up asking for a blessing well that's where the difficulty comes in but that's not till much much later okay so we want to go through what this thing's actually saying I'm going to begin here in paragraph four, all right? So again, just bear with me. It says, Pope Francis's recent response to the second of five questions posed by two cardinals offers an opportunity to explore this issue further, especially in its pastoral implications, that is to say, the blessings. It is a matter of avoiding that something that is not marriage being recognized as marriage. Therefore, rites and prayers that could create confusion between what constitutes marriage, which is, quote, the exclusive, stable, and indissoluble union between a man and a woman naturally open to the generation of children, and what contradicts it are inadmissible. Now, listen carefully. This conviction is grounded in the perennial Catholic doctrine of marriage. It is only in this context that sexual relations find their natural, proper, and fully human meaning. The church's doctrine on this point remains firm, all right? So this document starts off saying that, you know, cool your jets, folks, the teaching of the church that marriage is one man, one woman, till death do you part, open to the generation of children, okay? Just uh, read it again directly from the document. The church's doctrine on this point remains firm. Okay, so you know the, the 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 statement that came out of the Vatican is not watering down somehow. You know the Catholic teaching on marriage. Okay, now here's in paragraph five. This is also the understanding of marriage offered by the gospel. For this reason, when it comes to blessings, the church has the right and the duty to avoid any right. This is R-A-T-E, ritual. I'm going to go, I'm going to change that word so it makes more sense because right, R-I-G-H-T, and right, they sound the same, but they're different. Let's go back and look at that. The church has the right, R-I-G-H-T, and the duty to avoid any ritual that might contradict this conviction or lead to confusion. Such is also the meaning of the responsum of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which states that the church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of persons of the same sex. All right. So here again, in this document, supposedly, you know, oh, you know, the the Pope is opening up the door to gay marriage. No, it's not, because it says right here in black and white. The church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of persons of the same sex. Okay. It should be emphasized. This is paragraph six. It should be emphasized that the ritual of of the sacrament of marriage, this concerns not only just any blessing, but a gesture reserved to the ordained minister. In this case, the blessings given by an ordained minister is tied directly to the specific union of man and woman who establish an exclusive and indissoluble covenant by their consent. This fact allows us to highlight the risk of confusing a blessing given to any other union with the right proper to the sacrament of marriage. So, as we go through this document, it's going to make a, a distinction and the proper, correct distinction, a very clear distinction between something that happens within the context of a liturgical celebration. For example, the celebration of the sacrament of matrimony. For example, the celebration of the Eucharist. For example, you know, the Easter vigil where we celebrate baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist within the context of the great Easter vigil mass. That's one thing. It's quite another thing if Father Fred here is at Walmart picking up my goodies. And someone comes up and goes, Hey father, and this has happened before. Are you a priest? Yes, I am. Are you a Catholic priest? Yes, I am. Well, I'm not Catholic, but I have to go in for cancer treatments next week. Can you give me a blessing? Okay. So there I am standing in front of the the milk cooler at Walmart with this non Catholic person asking for a blessing before they go in for surgery. Can I do that? Heck yeah, I can. Happy to do it. More than happy to do it. Overjoyed to do it, you know? And so sure, you know, we give this, we give this person a blessing, but notice that's not in church. Okay. That's not a liturgical celebration. That is Father Fred out on the street acting, you know, representing the church, no doubt, But again, offering a blessing from God to someone who is, you know, facing some kind of a difficulty. And again, I just make it up. You know, I'll say, what's your name? Bob. Okay. well, oh, Lord, our God, you know, we ask you to bless Bob and protect him as he begins his his, um, cancer treatments. Um, may your healing gifts be granted to him. We ask this through Christ the Lord. Amen. Bam. There's your blessing. Okay. doesn't come out of a book. doesn't come out of anything, um, you know, approved by the Vatican or anything. I just made it up. Okay. And priests do it all the time. You know, we make up blessings for people. Now we also have the book of blessings and they'll have um, specific blessings in there for, you know, People as are coming on to become members of the parish council, or the blessing of a new seminary, or the blessing of an organ, or the blessing of a chalice and paten, the blessing of a rosary, you know, things like that. So we have these various blessings, um, but which are not official rituals of the church. And this document's making a distinction between those two things, all right? Now, what, what it says here then, it says the Holy Father's mentioned response invites us to broaden and enrich the meaning of blessings. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Now, paragraph 8. Blessings are among the most widespread and evolving sacramentals. Indeed, they lead us to grasp God's presence in all the events of life and remind us, even as, as in the use of created things, human beings are created to seek God, love Him, and serve Him faithfully. For this reason, blessings have as their recipients people, objects of worship and devotion, sacred images, Places of life, of work, and suffering, the fruits of earth and human toil, and all created realities that refer back to the Creator, praising and blessing Him by their beauty. Okay, so what this means is, what do we bless? We bless people, like I did that guy at the store. We bless objects of worship and devotion. When we, for example, if you if you you know, we bless a Bible or we bless a rosary. Okay, we bless sacred images. You know, you know, hardly a a Sunday goes by when I'm saying the Spanish mass that somebody doesn't come up after Mass with an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe or St. Jude Thaddeus or something like that, that they're going to display in their home, and they want me to bless it for them. No problem. Okay? Places of life. Somebody's house. We do house blessings all the time. Work. You know, bless people's, you know, shops and places of business. You know, places of suffering, you know, like the hospital, things like that. And so, again, there's all kinds of, you know, things that, that, that we bless. Now, It says here, then, paragraph nine, from a strictly liturgical point of view, a blessing requires that what is blessed by God be conformed to God's will as expressed in the teachings of the church. Okay, so if we're going to bless something, it has to be something directed to the will of God. And you can't bless anything less than that. Um, It says, as the book of blessing explains so that this intent might become more apparent by an ancient tradition, the formulas of blessing are primarily aimed at giving glory to God for his gifts and asking for his favors and restraining the power of evil in the world. Okay, so again, pretty straightforward. What are we, you know, blessing for? Now, again, we'll have I'll have kind of a comical anecdote to tell you in a little, tell you in a little bit about this. But again, in order for something to be blessed, it has to be something whether it's a person, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a rosary, whatever, it has to be something dedicated towards, you know, the, the, the goodness of God as defined and taught by the church. Okay. So for example, if someone called me over to their house and said, oh, here, Father, down in the basement, I'm cooking up methamphetamine. Um, I would like you to bless my meth lab. Sorry, can't do that. Okay. Because that's not something that's, you know, directed towards the praise and the worship of God. All right. Now, Paragraph 11. And again, this hopefully will come as a bit of a um, um, reassurance of people who have have, had their underwear up in a knot about all the stuff they heard from the media about what the document supposedly says. It says here, basing itself on these considerations, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith's explanatory note to its 2021 responsum, recalls that when a blessing is invoked on certain human relationships by a special liturgical rite, by a special liturgical rite, that means in church, that means a sacrament, it is necessary that what is blessed corresponds with God's designs written in creation and fully revealed by Christ the Lord. For this reason, since the church has always considered only those sexual relations that are lived out within marriage to be morally illicit, the church does not have the power to confer its liturgical blessing when that would somehow offer a form of moral legitimacy to a union that presumes to be a marriage or an extramarital sexual practice. The Holy Father reiterated the substance of his declaration in his responses to the dubia of the two cardinals. I'm going to read this one part again. The church, again, this comes from the document that the media is saying by which the media said the Pope okays blessing same-sex marriages. All right. The church does not have the power to confer its liturgical blessing when that would somehow offer a form of moral legitimacy to a union that presumes to be a marriage or to an extramarital sexual practice. All right. Um, Why does the church not have same-sex marriages? Because that's outside of the church's power. The church cannot do that. Okay. Now, we go on a little bit further, in in paragraph 12. One must also avoid the risk of reducing the meaning of blessings to this point of view alone, for it would lead us to expect the same moral conditions of a simple blessing that are called for in the reception of sacraments. Such a risk requires that we broaden this perspective further. Indeed, there is a danger that pastoral, that a pastoral gesture that is so beloved and widespread would be subjected to too many moral prerequisites, which under claim of control could overshadow the unconditional power of God's love that forms the basis for the gesture of the blessing. Now, this one needs to be kind of unpacked a little bit. All right. First of all, it, 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 it expresses kind of this fear that there's this danger that you know, this, this, this pastoral gesture, giving a blessing, that is so beloved might be subjected to too many moral prerequisites under the claim of control that can overshadow the unconditional power of God's love. See, I don't think that's true. Um, this is where I'm going to take one of the places where I'm going to take exception to this particular um, this document. Because again, referring back to the story of the guy that, you know, approaches me in front of the milk cooler at Walmart, wanting a blessing for his cancer treatments that are coming up. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, pal, well, are you a Catholic? Um, Are you baptized? Um, Have you been to confession? Um, Oh, you're not a Catholic? Well, you know, have you been, you know, no, you just give them the blessing, you know I mean? Help the poor, help the poor soul out. And see, I don't, I don't see that, you know, in paragraph 12, this fear that, um, you know, that all of a sudden everybody is going to be, you know, pouncing on people, you know, making them pass some kind of a morality test before they get a blessing. I don't think that's going to happen. But well, anyway, then in, in paragraph 13, it says precisely in this regard, Pope Francis urged us not to lose pastoral charity, which should permeate all of our decisions and attitude as to avoid being judges who only deny, reject and exclude let us then respond to the Holy Father's proposal by developing a broader understanding of blessings. Okay. Again, like I said, if, if the, if the Pope thinks that, you know, that priests are out there who are judges who only deny, reject, and exclude, I think he's woefully out of touch with what most priests are working with day in and day out. You know, I just don't really see that as being that, you know, kind of a, that, that being much of an issue. Now, we talk about blessings and now the, the document's going to talk about blessings in sacred scripture okay and i'm going to i'm not going to read all this at you but just to talk about two sorts of blessings that it talks about there are what are called ascending blessings and descending blessings all right a and the 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 invocation of a blessing that descends from god upon man that is to say you know whenever we say may almighty god you know there there's the priestly blessing um, from the, from the book of numbers May Almighty God bless you and keep you. Let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you kindly and give you his peace. And then we Christianize that by putting the do, the doxology, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a descending blessing. We're asking a blessing to come from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit down upon a specific individual or, or something. All right. Then there's what we call the ascending blessing, the blessing that ascends, the one that goes from heaven up towards God. You know, so for example, the document cites Psalm number 103, bless the Lord, my soul, and and all that is within me bless his holy name okay and so um you know the, there there would be the there's a number of the psalms in which we have what are called ascending blessings where the blessings go from us up to God you know we're you know bless God's name and and things like that okay now go a little bit further in in paragraph 18 In continuity with the Old Testament, in Jesus as well, the blessings are not only ascending, referring to the Father, but also descending, being poured out on others as a gesture of grace, protection, and goodness. Jesus himself implemented and promoted this practice. For example, he blessed children, and from the Gospel of St. Mark, he took them in his arms, blessed them, laying his hands upon them. And Jesus' earthly journey, which will end precisely with the final blessing reserved for the 11 shortly before he sends to the Father. And lifting up his hands, this comes from the very end of the Gospel of St. Luke. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. The last image of Jesus on earth is that of his hands being raised in an act of blessing. So again, this is coming out of that document that, you know, has been, you know, so maligned and so misquoted. Now we're going to get to the part here where I think where the big mistake is made. All right. And so we're just going to go through this and then we'll talk about it. So here in paragraph 20, this is under, it says a theological pastoral understanding of blessings. Okay. Paragraph 20 says, one asks for a blessing to show himself to be in need of God's saving presence in his life. And the one who asks for a blessing from the church recognizes the latter as a sacrament of the salvation that God offers to seek a blessing in the church is to acknowledge that the life of the church springs forth from the womb of God's mercy and helps us to move forward, to live better and to respond to the Lord's will. Okay. Now that's true. All right. The idea that, you know, that we, if we're going to go to God for a blessing, we're asking, well, at least we should be, we're asking for help to live better, to, you know, be better people, you know, and so on, to respond, respond to God's will. That's true. But in 99 plus percent of cases of gay couples, they are not struggling to respond to God's will. They are looking to use the moral authority of the Christian faith to legitimize and validate their disordered lifestyle. All right. That's the difference, okay? And again, we'll just, we'll talk a little bit, we'll read a little bit more, and then we'll come back and talk about this some more. In paragraph 21, it says, in order to help us understand the value of a more pastoral approach to blessings, Pope Francis urges us to contemplate with an attitude of faith the fatherly mercy and the fact that when one asks for a blessings, one is expressing a petition for God's assistance, a plea to live better, and confidence in a father who can help us to live better. This request should in every way be valued, accompanied, and received with gratitude. Okay, now this part's really important. People who come and spontaneously ask for a blessing show by this request their sincere openness to transcendence, the confidence of their hearts that they do not trust in their own strength alone, their need for God, and their desire to break of the narrow confines of this world, enclosed in its limitations. Okay, so again, kind of like we just commented on paragraph 20. If that is the reason why someone is approaching um, the church for a blessing, great, no problem. But in the case of the intransigent gay couple, this is a fantasy, okay? They are not open to transcendent, and they are not acknowledging their need for God, all right? Now, what I, you know, I think I want to back up here a little bit. I probably should have started this off at the beginning of the program. We need to mark a distinction between a person with a same-sex attraction and a gay person, all right? And for the sake of this conversation, and I wish this, this, this difference would kind of take hold in conversations everywhere, if someone has a same-sex attraction, I say, so what? You know, some people are tall, some people are short, some people have brown hair, some people have blonde hair, you know, whatever. You know, if, if someone has a same-sex attraction, you know, whoop de doo, whoop de doo. Okay, now, as opposed to a gay person, a gay person, for the sake of this conversation, means someone with a same sex attraction who has decided that they are going to act on that same sex attraction and they are going to engage in homosexual activity with other people of their same sex and so on. And then, and especially in our day and age, they are going to do so in an in your face manner. They're going to be flying that rainbow flag and they're going to, you know, they're going to be telling everyone who will listen, you know, I'm gay and I'm proud. And if you don't agree with me, then you're just a homophobe and a hate monger and things like that. Okay. See, those folks are not seeking to live in accord with what God is teaching them. A same-sex, a a person with a same-sex attraction may well have just decided, hey, this is my cross in life. Everybody has a cross. Um, My cross is that I have a same-sex attraction. And now I am going to seek God's help so that I can live my life in a a noble way, um, bearing this cross as best I can. See, someone like that, heck yeah. You know, they come up looking for a blessing. I'll bless them every day of the week if they want it. Okay. But the thing of it is, is I think we all know that when you look at the gay movement in in the world now, not just the United States, you know, they are out, they are bold, they are in your face, and all the while, while preaching preaching tolerance and inclusion, they are the most intolerant, exclusive, closed-minded people that ever walked the face of the earth. And if you want to find out just how inclusive and tolerant and open-minded they are, just disagree with them. And, and see how, see, uh, see, you know, you'll get both barrels of their tolerance and, and diversity and open-mindedness and inclusion when you disagree with them. And then they you know, come after you with, with everything they've got, with their resources in the media and the government, which are substantial, and you know, to ruin your life. Okay. So again, I don't think that you know, people who come spontaneously asking for a blessing show this request to live better and, you know, with confidence in the Father that can help us to live better. I don't think they're looking for that. I think what they're looking to do is they want to, you know, be able to conquer, you know, people of faith by saying, now, look, you know, you people of faith claim to be such nice, you know, loving people. Well, now you have to agree with everything I do. And if you don't, it's because you're full of hate. And that's all that religion does is teaches you how to hate. Well, sorry, folks, that just doesn't carry any water. I mean, I hear my funny anecdote I was going to tell you from the beginning of the program years ago. I was in the the cathedral in Monterey, Mexico, beautiful place. And it was in the evening. And um, Mexican life, you know, when when the sun goes down, just right at sunset, is really quite interesting because most Mexicans are hiding out during the hottest part of the day from noon till about three or four in the afternoon. That's the famous siesta time. And then everybody comes back out and goes back to work about three or four and they stay working until seven or eight in the evening you know, just just to escape the heat. And so if you're out at seven or eight in the evening, that's when people are kind of getting off work. And that's when the restaurants are crowded and there's a lot of traffic on the street and people walking and going hither and thither and so on. And it was about that time I was in the in the cathedral at Monterey. And about that time, I'm just looking around and, and this, this band of boys, they were probably 16 to 18 years old, probably about four or five of them. And they come up and they see me. And of course, I'm this white guy with blue eyes. I'm kind of the local freak show. And, um, they come up and they go, are you, they ask me in Spanish, you know, is usted padre? Are you, are you, a, are you a father? I say, yeah. Well, can you give us a blessing? And I said, well, yeah, well, what's going on? Well, we come in here, we come to the church and we light a candle in front of our lady here because they had, of course, they have a statue of Lady Guadalupe there. And we light the the candle in front of our, in front of the Blessed Mother. And then we ask for her protection because we go out at night and we steal. And then we want our Blessed Mother's protection from the police. It's like, hold on, run that by me again. You're asking for the Blessed Mother's protection while you're committing acts of theft and you want me to give you a blessing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they saw nothing wrong with that at all. They, 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 it's like, well, we have to be protected by the police somehow now, don't we? Okay. And, and again, you, know, you look at that and you go, well, that's just insane. That's just crazy. Well, it's, again, it's the same thing. When you have people who have openly, obstinately, and defiantly said, no, this is what we're going to do. You know, this is, you know, I have my same-sex partner here, my same-sex, what do they call them, spouse, husband, wife, whatever, and this is what we're going to do, and now we want the church to bless that, um, no, sorry, ain't going to happen. And furthermore, you know, as 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 it says in this document itself, you know, we read it earlier. Um, it says that you know the church's doctrine on on sexual relations within marriage remains firm. And again, to repeat from chapter from paragraph five. Such is also the meaning of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which states that the church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of the same sex. I mean, it says so right there in the document. So um, we're going to stop there and take a little break here and come back and go through the rest of this document. And I'll have a cl- few closing comments to, to kind of wind the whole thing down. So again, you are tuned into the Double-Edged Sword program. Here on our fine family of Divine Mercy Catholic radio stations, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, KGOH 89.1 Colby, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. And we're here on the on the double edged Sword Program. We are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And we're going to take a little break now to hear from the folks that make that bring this program to you. So sit tight and we'll be right back. are back and you are tuned into the double-edged sword program i am father fred gatchett the vicar general for the diocese of salina and the rector at sacred heart cathedral here in salina and you're tuned into double-edged sword here on our fine family of divine mercy catholic radio stations kjdm 101.7 lindsburg salina krtt 88.1 great bend kgoh 89.1 colby KMDG 105.7 Hayes and our flagship station where it all began, 88.1 KVDM Hayes. And here on the on the Double edged Sword program, we're cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And today on today's program, we've been talking about fiducia supplicans which is probably something you never heard of. In fact, you did hear it. You used to know that you heard about it. And fiducia suplicans is that document that came out of the Vatican fairly recently that the media grabbed a hold of and said, ah, you know, the Pope is okaying blessings of same-sex couples. Well, is he? Well, yes and no. And that's where we're kind of trying to get to the bottom of here. And so we spent the first um, part of the program kind of going through some of this document, you know, word for word, which just flies in the face of the garbage that most people have heard in the media. But now we're going to try to kind of close it up here, wind it up here a little bit in the second half of the program. St. Teresa of the Child of Jesus, St. Teresa of Lisieux, um she, ha- she ta- talks about, you know, the, 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 the nature of sin and, 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 and God's mercy. And this is a great line from her. This is worth memorizing. She says, the sin of the world is great, but not infinite. Whereas the merciful love of the Redeemer is indeed infinite. Really? I'm going to say that again. That's pretty good. The sin of the world is great, but not infinite. You know, it doesn't take much to look at the sin of the world to see the, you know, the, the, the butchering that goes on in you know, around the world, you know, people killing other people and, you know, the, the suffering that people inflict on other people. It's great, but it's not infinite. Whereas the merciful love of the redeemer is indeed infinite. Something to kind of keep something to keep in mind. So again, as we're going through this, We'll start up here in chapter 24. It says, From the point of view of pastoral care, blessings should be evaluated as acts of devotion that are external to the celebration of the Holy Eucharist and of the other sacraments. Indeed, the language, rhythm, chorus, and theological emphasis of popular piety differ from those of the corresponding liturgical action. For this reason, pious practices must conserve their proper style, simplicity, language, and attempts to impose those forms of liturgical liturgical celebration on them are to be avoided. Now, again, this is marking the difference between a sacramental celebration in church and me giving the blessing to the guy in front of the milk cooler at Walmart, Who's not Catholic and who's gonna have um, um cancer treatments. Okay? That's the difference that's talking about there. Okay? And so in, in paragraph 25, it says, thus, when people ask for a blessing, an exhaustive moral analysis should not be placed as a precondition for conferring it. For those seeking a blessing should not be required to have prior moral perfection. Now, again, here's where I think you know, the Vatican's getting this wrong, all right? Because, first of all, I don't think when anyone presents themselves for a blessing, they're subject to some kind of exhaustive moral analysis as a, as a precondition for getting the blessing. Like I said, when people come up and ask you to bless a rosary for them, you know, it's like, Oh, you want me to bless this rosary? Uh, well, uh, are you in the state of grace? Um, are you not, are you in, you know, in a, in a state to worthy to receive this blessing? No, you just bless the rosary for them, okay? If people ask me over to their house to bless their house, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's a heavy dose of superstition in there. I mean, you know, people will say, you know, they'll, they'll you know, they move into a house and they're afraid it might be contaminated with evil spirits. And people who lived there before it. Maybe it is, you know. Um, but when you, when you go to bless a house, if you look in the book of blessings, It doesn't say anything about evil spirits. It just talks about asking God to take up residence, to be there, to share the life of the family, which is all great stuff. But again, whenever I go and do a house blessing, you know, I don't think any priest is going to sit there and have some kind of a exhaustive moral analysis on the person asking for the blessing. I don't know where the Vatican gets this from. Okay, I don't think any reasonable person in demanding anyone to have prior moral perfection or to receive a blessing. It doesn't happen. But if someone has openly, obstinately and defiantly adopted a lifestyle that is contrary to the faith um, through which they're asking for said blessing, that inconsistency needs to be pointed out. So, again, like I said, you know, I'm at the at the cathedral in Monterrey, Mexico, and these guys, I mean, I think they were sincere. I think they were terribly misguided and, you know, their 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 lives were probably, you know, they probably weren't very well catechized, much less evangelized. Um, they just saw the faith as kind of a, as a superstitious, you know, force field to hopefully save them from getting busted by the cops and they're stealing. But the fact is, is if they're openly and defiantly, you know, saying we are looking for this blessing because we want to go out and steal and don't want to get caught, sorry, not going to give that blessing. Okay. Now in paragraph 26 for the respuestas, for the responses, they invite discernment concerning the possibility of forms of blessing requested by one or more persons that do not contain erroneous conception of marriage. And in situations that are morally unacceptable from the objective point of view, account for the fact that pastoral charity requires us not to treat simply as sinners, those whose guilt or responsibility may be attenuated by various factors affecting the subjective imputability. That's a mouthful. What does that mean? Well, what we have, and this this comes from the gospels, we have what's called objective and subjective culpability. All right. And that is to say, if I do something wrong or if I do something right, if I do something wrong, to what extent am I going to be held accountable by God for that wrong thing that I did? Okay. So if I do something with perfect knowledge, I know something is wrong and I say, I know it's wrong and now I'm going to do it anyway. Here I go. Just watch me because this is what I want to do. Well, that's called a mortal sin. Okay. On the other hand, if I don't know any better, okay, and so for example, you know, the examples out there, there's zillions of them, you know, say you have some poor woman living in the mountains of Guatemala and you know, she has heard that um, there's this clinic, you know, a couple miles away and if she goes in, she can get an operation that'll keep her from having more children. And she thinks, okay, I've already got X number of kids. I don't want any more. And this clinic is being funded by America. And so it must, they must know what they're doing. And so she goes in and has a tubal ligation. Okay. Now is what she did morally objectionable? Yes, it is. You know, it is morally wrong. Um, But does she know any better on the day of judgment? She appears before Lord God almighty for judgment. Is God going to hold her accountable for that? And the answer is no, she didn't know any better. She's, she's poor, uneducated, you know, living in an isolated part of the world. And she's been lied to and told this is a good thing. Okay. And so um, therefore, even though what she did is gravely morally disordered, objectively speaking, subjectively speaking, she would not be as accountable for that sin as maybe someone in the United States that would know better. You know, someone from an educated country that should know better. Okay. Now that is opposed to the way a lot of stuff we hear in our country, they would say, well, for her it's okay because she doesn't know any better, but for somebody else it would not be okay because they do know better, no. If it's wrong for one, it's wrong for all. If it's good for one, it's good for all, okay? The rightness of the wrongness of the action is not up for discussion. The rightness of the wrongness of the action is what it is. What's up for discussion is, how morally accountable are we for what we did based on what's called vincible or invincible ignorance okay that is to say if i did not know any better and there and i could not be expected to reasonably know better then my responsibility for that action is attenuated as the document says or or it, you know it, it's diminished to some degree and maybe even completely the, the catechism says it can be completely eliminated as well okay but so it's conceivable that a same-sex couple has so degraded their conscience that they see nothing wrong with what they're doing and see no discord in inviting God into the relationship that he would find repugnant, especially since there is no desire ever to repent of it. Okay. And so again, if you have some couple, you know, some, a couple of guys and they've been practicing sodomy since they're teenagers. And now here they are, you know, in their 30s and now they they think, oh, well, yeah, let's go down to the church and and see a father will bless our our union. Sorry, boys, ain't going to happen. Okay, Um, that's not what this document is saying. Okay, now let's go a little bit further. It is God who blesses. In the first pages of the Bible, there is a continual repetition of blessings. God blesses, but human beings also give blessings. And soon it turns out that the blessing possesses a special power, which accompanies those who receive it throughout their lives and dispose our hearts to be changed by God. So we are more important to God than all the sins we can commit because he is the father, he is the mother, he is pure love. He has blessed us forever. Okay. That's pretty good line. We are more important to God than all the sins we can commit. Because of, the, because of the unfathomable love of God and he will never stop blessing us. It is a powerful experience to read these biblical texts of blessing in a prison or in a rehabilitation group. No doubt whatsoever there would be great, there, it would be a, a powerful experience because in a prison or rehabilitation group, usually, at least on the surface, there is some desire to repent and leave behind that disordered behavior. Okay? Now, getting back to the paragraph 27. To make people feel that they are still blessed, notwithstanding their serious mistakes, that their Heavenly Father continues to will their good and to hope that they will ultimately open themselves to the good, even if their closest relatives have abandoned them because they judge them to be irredeemable, God always sees them as his children." Very true. No problem there. OK, when we have people that have, you know, gone off the reservation and done bad things. But if there is a desire for repentance, there's a desire to get better. Again, I have visited many jails and many prisons. And usually what the what the people in the jails and the prisons, what they're really worried about is, you know, they want prayers for their families who are still on the outside, you know, they might be worried about their spouse, their kids, you know, and things like that. But what I'm saying is, and I think that I, you know, if you want to try to prove me wrong on this, go right ahead, that the gay culture in the United States, again, not the same sex attracted person that's bearing up with their cross. I'm talking about people that fly the rainbow flags and go to the pride parades and all that kind of stuff those people are no more interested in seeking the will of god than flying to the moon all right in in paragraph 29 from the perspective of the ascending dimension is the prayers that go up to god when one becomes aware of the lord's gifts and his unconditional love even sinful situations particularly when prayer finds a hearing in the believer's heart lifts its prayer its praise to god and blesses him no one is precluded from this type of blessing. Everyone individually or together with others can lift their praise of gratitude to God. No question about that. But again, my, the thing I want to try to convey is that I don't believe that people that are involved in the gay movement are much interested in, you know, raising prayer praises and gratitude to God. What they want to do is keep living their lifestyle without any kind of sense of guilt, and they want to think that God's on their side while they're doing it. Okay, now we get to part three. And this, you know, we kind of get to the, the, the part of the document as it's, its heading is, blessing of couples in irregular situations and couples of the same sex. All right, now, here in, in paragraph 31, within the horizon outlined here appears the possibility of blessing for couples in irregular situations or for couples of the same sex the form of which should not be fixed ritually by ecclesial authorities to avoid producing confusion, the blessing proper to the sacrament of marriage. Okay. And so again, here it's talking about, okay, well, what if you have this same-sex couple that comes up and asks for a blessing? The, you know, the document is saying, you know, you don't do it in church, you know, to where it would look like it's putting it on the same footing as, as the sacrament of matrimony. Okay. It says, In such cases, a blessing may be imparted that not only has an ascending value, that is a blessing that goes up to God, but also involves the invocation of a blessing that descends from God upon those who, now listen to this, recognizing themselves to be destitute and in need of his help, and do not claim a legitimation of their own status, but those who beg that all that is true, good, and humanly valued in their lives, and their relationships be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, breaking out of the text here, in the overwhelming majority of cases, gay couples do not consider themselves to be destitute and in need of God's help. And in fact, they are looking for legitimation of their own status. Okay, now the the paragraph continues. These forms of blessing express, express a supplication that God ha, that God may grant those those aids that come from the impulses of the spirit what classical theology calls actual grace so that human relationships may mature and grow in fidelity to the gospel and they may be freed from their imperfections and frailties and they may express themselves in every increasing dimension of the of divine love all right now in paragraph 32 Indeed, the grace of God works in the lives of those who do not claim to be righteous, but who acknowledge themselves humbly as sinners like everyone else. Again, very true, but the gay movement reacts violently if it's suggested that their lifestyle is sinful. All right, now getting back to paragraph 32. This grace can orient everything according to the mysterious and unpredictable designs of God. Therefore, with its untiring wisdom and motherly care, the church welcomes all who approach God with humble hearts accompanying them with their spiritual aids to enable anyone to understand and realize God's will fully in their existence. Now, so again, if a gay couple were to approach any priest explaining that they love each other and they recognize that sodomy is a grave sin and they want to learn how to enjoy a friendship between them that does not include disordered sexual behavior, then such a priest could no doubt pray for those individuals and do what he could to help them. In fact, the church has a group called Courage that is a support network for such individuals. But to repeat, the vast, vast majority of people in same-sex relationships are not looking to live in chastity. They are not looking, they're not looking at this at their same-sex attraction as a cross to be born with dignity and nobility and seeking God's favor to do that. This is all, you know, kind of a social political ploy on the part of the gay movement to cripple and to discredit Christianity. They did a fairly good job of with the Methodist Church. The Methodist Church is falling apart right now because, you know, half of their whatever, their members or their congregations, whatever, decided, hey, same sex marriages, same sex relationships and stuff, that's all good. Others said, no, it's not. And it's falling apart. That's by design. That's exactly what the gay community wants to do. They want to destroy faith. And so here, you know, know, what, what, what the Vatican is putting out is, in what is my opinion, a very misguided idea of thinking that, well, sure, you know, if you have a same sex couple that comes up and they're looking for a blessing because they're trying to live the way God wants them to live then give him a blessing. Well, heck, yeah, i give him a blessing under those terms, but that, that's not what's going on, and I think we all know it. Now, um, if you look here in, in paragraph 33, this is a blessing that, although not included in a liturgical rite, unites intercessory prayer with the invocation of God's help by those who humbly turn to him. God never turns away anyone who approaches him. Ultimately, a blessing offers people a means to increase their trust in God, The request for a blessing thus expresses and nurtures openness to the transcendence, mercy, and closeness to God in a thousand concrete circumstances in life, which is no small thing in the world in which we live. It is the seed of the spirit which must be nurtured and not hindered. Again, I think anyone would agree with that. But again, I don't think that when you look at what the gay communities look at what, what's going through their mind when they talk about approaching the church for a blessing for a same sex marriage. And what this document is saying are two different, two very tragically different things. Jumping into paragraph 39. For this reason, one should neither provide nor promote a ritual blessing of couples in an irregular situation. All right. Getting back again. This is what the church teaches. This is pretty sound stuff one should never provide nor promote for a ritual for the blessing of couples in an irregular situation. At the same time, one should not prevent or prohibit the church's closeness to people in every situation in which they might seek God's help through a simple blessing. If a brief prayer preceding the spontaneous blessing, the ordained minister could ask that the individuals have peace, health, a spirit of patience, dialogue, and mutual assistance, but also God's light and strength to be able to fulfill his will completely. All right. So again, you know, people can come and ask for a blessing, but it might not be the blessing you're looking for. For example, if I had, you know, a, you know, a, an openly gay couple coming up thinking, okay, well, we'll just put this priest on the spot. Um, you know, give us your blessing Father. the Pope says you have to bless us. Okay. What are your names? Billy Bob and Bobby Bill. Okay. Well, Billy Bob and Bobby Bill, um, in the name of the father and the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, Billy Bob and Bobby Bill have immersed themselves in mortal sin. They come before you looking for peace and health. Please help them to see through, you know, the lies of the gay agenda. Help them to understand your plan for healthy human relationships that they will leave behind sodomy and embrace chastity through Christ our Lord. Amen. There's your blessing. That's the way it's going to go. Do you think they're going to be thankful for that? Not only no, hell no. They're going to look at that and they're going to call me every name in the book and they'll probably try to cancel me and sue me and do whatever else. Well, too bad. Now, in in paragraph 39, in any case, precisely to avoid any form of confusion or scandal, when the prayer of blessing is requested by a couple in an irregular situation, even though it is expressed outside the rites prescribed by the liturgical books, This blessing should never be imparted in concurrence with the ceremonies of a civil union and not even in connection with them, nor can it be performed with any clothing, gestures, or words that are proper to a wedding. The same applies when the blessing is requested by a same-sex couple, all right? That is to say, and then this is where we're going to, as we, you know, kind of close up this this installment of Double-Edged Sword, a lot of this stuff also applies to people in heterosexual relationships as well, okay? So here what it's saying is, like say you had um, Billy Bob and Lula Bell, okay? A couple of baptized Catholics and they, you know, she's got her wedding dress on and he's got his tuxedo on and they go and they go, well, you know, yeah, um, you know, we don't want to mess with a church wedding. We just want to go get married in the Rose Garden in the park. Father, can you do our wedding? Sorry, no can do, all right? We don't do that because marriage is a sacrament and you just rejected it. All right. Or again, what it's saying, you know, since you can have civil same sex marriages now, if you have two guys dressed up in their tuxedos or whatever, and they go to the courthouse and they, you know, get their same sex marriage, you know, they get married in front of the judge and everything. And then they show up at the church dressed up in their tuxedos. Okay, Father, we just got married at the court. Now we want you to give us a blessing. Sorry, boys, ain't going to happen. All right. Or you have a couple of women in, in in their white wedding dresses that went over and got married by the court. Now they come over to the church and go, well, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, we just got married by the judge. We want you to bless our marriage, Father. Sorry, ladies, ain't going to happen. All right. It says so right here in black and white. It cannot be performed with clothing, tuxedos, wedding dresses, and so like that. Gestures are words that are proper to a wedding, okay? Now, the thing also with this is, you know, this whole same-sex marriage thing, as repugnant as it is, we also have to look and see what heterosexual couples of men and women, the hatchet job that they've done on marriage as well, all right? Um... When you look at the number of couples, which in this day and age is almost all of them, that tried to prepare for a moment of grace in the sacrament of matrimony with a life of active fornication, That is to say, you know, the vast majority of couples approaching the church for marriage these days are living together before marriage, okay? And fornication is a mortal sin. You can look it up in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and following. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Fornication is first on the list, all right? How you get ready for a moment of grace, the sacrament of matrimony, when you've immersed yourself in mortal sin is beyond my ability to comprehend, all right? Or... You know, many times I've seen this in weddings that I've done here in the cathedral, in weddings I've done out at Hayes. You know, before the wedding, you got the boys, you know, the groom and the groomsmen, out in the back lot passing around a bottle of Jack Daniels. Or, you know, out in the back lot with a cooler full of beer, you know, while the ladies are all inside primping their faces and putting on their makeup, the boys are outside getting drunk. You know, if that isn't a, a sacrilege, An affront against the sacrament of matrimony. I don't know what is. Okay, so again, we're not just talking about you know people in same sex marriages and stuff here too. Heterosexual couples have done incalculable damage to the sacrament of matrimony. And see, all this, I think, all you know, maybe the good thing about all this brouhaha about you know so called blessing same sex marriages, if it can bring this to the front and you know get us to confront some of this stuff, and maybe even, God forbid, try to you know ask God's forgiveness and you know, repent of it and try to fix it, that might, you know, probably be a pretty good thing. So again, you know, that's an awful lot. You know, you've been patient with me as I read through an awful lot of this, of this document. Like I said, it's called Fiducia Suplicans. F-I-D-U-C-I-A, New word, S-U-P-P-L-I-C-A-N-S. And again, look it up on the internet and get it and read it for yourself. That's all I did. Um, it's not that hard of a read. It's about, I don't know, once you print it out, what well, it's about four or five pages long. Um, you can read it without too much difficulty. Um, get a copy of it and read it. And then when this program comes up as a, as a archive on, on the double-edged sword archives, you can sit down and listen to it at your own leisure and kind of go through the document and see what it really says. Um, But the bottom line is, is that, you know, the church is not going to start blessing same-sex unions on the same footing as the sacrament of matrimony. And in fact, according to this document, it would have to be a couple that recognizes the sinfulness of their situation and is now coming to the church looking for help to get out of it. You know, if that's what they're going to do, I'm all over it. I'll help anybody I can in that regard. But again, you know, the media got a hold of this. And as the media, which is our true enemy, um, as the media does, you know, they take it and distort it and pervert it beyond whatever it was supposed originally supposed to mean. So, again, I am Father Fred Gatchett. You've been listening to the Double-Edged Sword program here in our fine family of Catholic radio stations. KMDG 105.7 Hayes, KGOH 89.1 Colby. KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, KJDM 101.7 Lindsberg Salina, and KVDM 88.1 Hayes. We invite you to go to our website at DV, that's Victor, D as in, V is in Victor, DVMercy.com, and um, check out all the other offerings of, of, of Divine Mercy Radio. Make, you, make sure you look up that important donate button. Also, if you have any questions, you, know, you can always call the station at 785-621-4110. And um, if you have something you want to pass on to us or you have a question you want answered, you know, put drop it off there at the station and we'll see what we can do to, to get that answered for you. So again, I am Father Fred Gatchett signing off here on this installment of Double-Edged Sword. Um, goodbye, and God bless, and we'll see you next time.